2: really has a lot more meaning today, doesn't it? When you hear you got to score points to win a game. And, well, for the Raiders, they didn't score enough points on Sunday, particularly in the second half, to win a game as they dropped to 0-2 on the season with a 29-23 loss to the Arizona Cardinals, a team that they, in my opinion, absolutely should have beat, but should have, would have, could have, didn't. And now they're sitting there at 0-2 on the season with a very tough Tennessee Titans team coming up to, well, not coming up. They're actually going to, to face coming up next Sunday. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered as far as the silver and black are concerned. And uh, we'll start today. And, of course, we'll hear from you throughout the course of the show. But we are, it's a Monday night, so we're at our, Home away from home, which is the Oyo Hotel and Casino. uh, Hanging out in the Underground Lounge, having a really good time here. And there's a bunch of TVs on. There's actually two different Monday Night Football games going on tonight. So we get a double dip, a double treat, which means you have all kind of opportunities to come down, hang out with us, get a bunch of different drink specials, get hooked up with some great prizes. Last week we had a packed house, and I expect the same thing. Actually, I expect more this week because that's just who I am. I'm a greedy guy. You know, if you have a lot, one week. I expect more the next week. That's just how we roll. So uh, come on out. Hang out with us at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. They've got some great drink specials. If you're still trying to, you know, wash away some of your sorrows, that would be a good place to do it. Right? Of course, they've got a lot of good food specials as well. Don't want you to have any cold beverages on an empty stomach. So uh, there's a lot of good things going on here at the Oyo. We'll be here till at least 6, maybe 7, maybe even a little bit later on than that because, you know, once I get out and about somewhere on a location, it's hard to make me leave. So I want you to make sure you come out and hang out with us throughout the course of the afternoon. We got a lot of good stuff. I see a big box of what looks like prizes coming this way too. It's like a treasure chest. Remember back in the day when you went to the dentist and you went through all that pain and then at the end you got to open up the treasure chest and then it was something that probably disappointed you? Well, this will not disappoint you. There's a bunch of good prizes. Hey, bring that treasure chest over here real quick while while we're talking live on the radio. Let's see what they got here. Woo, buddy. Whoa, what's this? Hold up now. Hold up. Swallow them up. Official craft beer of the Las Vegas Raiders. I got this box just handed to me right now. Hazy IPA. And anyone who was at Allegiant Stadium last night may be feeling a little hazy today. Right, they may be feeling a little hazy today, but uh, we're gonna have a good time, man. Nice little uh, Hop Valley T-shirt right there, Brewing Company. It looks like a little football action on it. Oh yeah, man, they brought out the good stuff today. All right, it's like when you have the, uh, you know, the, the the friends come to your house that are really your good, good friends, and you put, bring out the good stuff. When you have just the friends that you know are just okay, you hide all the good stuff and you give them the cheap stuff. Well, this. We're we're inviting everyone, like everyone's our good friends. We're bringing out the good stuff today. So uh, come on by here, get hooked up. We're in the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. We're having a really good time, and we need to have a good time together, man. That's what we're going to do as we get through what was a very disappointing game by the Silver and Black on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium. We have a lot of good guests coming up on the show today I'm very excited about. Former Raider wide receiver Bryce Butler will join the show at 2.30. He was the guy that I had an opportunity to sit next to in the press box on Sunday and talk to and chopped it up basically throughout the whole The whole uh, game, and he gave me little nuggets here and there, and it's it's always great when you're able to talk to a former player that's been there, done that, and, you know, listening to Bryce just as he sees plays unfold, and he's like, ooh, right there, ooh, that's, you know, that. So it was was really, it was fun to, to listen to how he was actually viewing the game. There's the way I look at the game, and then there's a way that a former player looks at the game, and it's totally different. You know, and so it's always great to go uh, behind the scenes a little bit. So Bryce Butler will join us at 2.30. Uh, at 3 o'clock, you'll hear some post-game locker room action that we had. We talked to a lot of guys in the locker room. Josh Jacobs, Nate Hobbs, Amik Robertson, Jermaine Illuminor, Jayon Brown, Mac Hollins, Devon Diablo. Foster Moreau did a one-on-one with Vinny that was fantastic. If we have some extra time on the show, I want to get I want to get that on. That was a really good one-on-one interview, Foster Moreau with Vinny Bonsignor from obviously the Las Vegas Review-Journal and the Morning Tailgate right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And the reason I say it was so fantastic, because if you remember, Foster is one of those guys that he gives you some really good answers and really thought-out answers. But then coming off a loss, the way that the Raiders lost, I mean, you could really hear the emotion in his voice as well. So uh, just a great One-on-one, three, four minutes with Foster and Vinny. I thought that was good. So if we get to that, hopefully we can get to get to that some point of the show. But that's a lot of locker room action that we have. Uh, We'll also have Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station, and the RJ. He'll join us at 3.30 to talk about what he witnessed at Allegiant Stadium. Also talk about what he heard today from head coach Josh McDaniels. And where do the Raiders go from here? You're sitting there at 0-2. You don't want to sit there and say the sky is falling. Woe is me. Everything is bad, doom, and gloom. But you're also sitting there at 0-2 and and nothing's good. (laughs) You know, there's a lot to not like, right? So, I mean, you have to be honest with yourself. It's not a good time. It's not a good time if you're, uh, you know, a fan that believes that this team should be a double-digit win team and a team that should make the playoffs like I believe. I said that to start the season. I thought that they should win 10, 11 games and should be in the playoffs. Well, the way to do it is not to start out 0-2, especially when it's games that you should win. And I'll say the Chargers were a good team, but they weren't that great. Right? So they took that L, but then losing last night or yesterday afternoon that turned into last night to the Arizona Cardinals was pretty uh, disappointing as well. So we'll talk to Ed Graney coming up at 3.30. Then at 4 o'clock, Jesse Merrick from News 3 LV will join us to talk all things LV Aces. How about the Aces, man? How about that? Let's give them a round of applause. All right, How about the LV Aces? bringing home a championship to Las Vegas, and they'll have a nice little uh, parade tomorrow down Las Vegas Boulevard. Excited about that. Of course, we'll be uh, in attendance, not necessarily doing the show from there, but we'll have a presence there uh, to bring you all the sights and sounds from the Aces bringing home a championship. And I had some people hit me up and say, I can't believe Mark Davis was in Connecticut watching the Aces. I said, are you serious? <laughs> and it is a team that he owns, you know, and his team just won a championship. Why wouldn't he be there? You know, he was in L.A. for the season opener for the Raiders and Chargers and said specifically said, matter of fact, to Paul Gutierrez, the ESPN, if there's a Game 4, I will be there. And that's exactly what he was. He was true to his word. And the Aces, they did what they were supposed to do, which is bring home a championship to Las Vegas. So very excited about that as well. Can't wait. We've been monitoring and following and covering the Aces all season long. We'll continue to do that. Jesse Merrick will join us at 4 o'clock. So. Those are the guests we'll have on the show live. Bryce Butler, Ed Graney, and Jesse Merrick. And then also you'll hear some post-game locker room action as well. Josh Jacobs. Uh, let's see, who else? Probably get maybe uh, Foster. We'll try to get Foster Moreau in. Uh, Jermaine Illuminor, I think that was a really good one. Uh, maybe some Mac Hollins. We'll try to get that action in as well. So we got a lot to get to on today's show. But now that you know the guests, you know that where we're at. We're at the Oyo Hotel and Casino in the Underground Lounge. Now that you know all that, the nuts and bolts of the show, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive.
3: The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever.
2: And I'll be 100% honest, Raider Nation. I did not listen to Raider Nation Radio 920 at all today. I have not listened to the station one time today, and that's very unlike me. Uh, first of all, my job is to listen to the station and monitor it, make sure everything is good. But I didn't listen to it for a reason because I didn't want to have – a mind that was already suggesting things right i didn't want to have thoughts other people's thoughts already in my head and make me kind of lean one way or lean another way i just wanted to be able to come to the show deliver whatever message i had and i wanted it to be untainted so i didn't listen to anything that was on raider nation radio for the morning tailgate from jt the brick this is the first time i'm listening to the radio and i have no option because i'm listening to myself So I want to hear from you throughout the course of the show. I really do. I'm very interested to see. 702-365-9200. I know how I feel about the game. I know how I feel about a team that was up 20 to nothing at halftime and only was able to find a way to score three points in the second half and overtime. And I look at the offense and say, okay, they came out of the locker room. uh, Their foot wasn't on the gas. They didn't have that same intensity. And I'll ask Bryce Butler this. I don't know how easy it is to have that same intensity when you're up 20 to nothing and everything you're doing is pretty much you're dominating Right, I mean, you're especially, especially defensively. When you're holding a guy like Kyler Murray to basically no success whatsoever, you feel pretty good about yourself. So I don't know if it's even possible to generate that same kind of emotion and energy coming out of the locker room after halftime. I don't know. I've never been there, done that. Right? I mean, so so I, I'm not, I'm not that guy. Bryce Butler is the guy that can give us a better idea of that. So we'll talk to him at 2:30. So I know where I look at and say, okay, this is a, one of the issues that happened. This is what plagued the Raiders. This is what you know, was the reason for the collapse. And let's make no mistake about it, that was an absolute collapse. When you're up 20 to nothing, you're pitching a shutout, and then you get outscored 29 to 3 in the in the second half in overtime. That is an absolute collapse. In the history of the Raiders, the history of the Raiders, they had never given up a 20-point lead to lose a game. Never. So that's an epic collapse right there. There's no way to shine it up. There's no way to make it sound rosy. There's no way to put lipstick on a pig and say, oh, that's cute. No, it's still lipstick on a pig, right? That was the ultimate pig. And this is no shot at the players because I know that the players put everything that they have into it. And it's not even a shot at the coaching staff. It's just one of those, what the hell happened, right? And we talked to head coach Josh McDaniels today, and I will always talk to coaches and players in the most respectful way because they're doing something that, you know, they, they know what they're doing. They know what's on the stake and what's on the lines. And they know what everyone's thinking. But they, you know, they'll go out there and they'll speak to us. And so head coach Josh McDaniels, he talked to us today. And there was a lot of, you know, different questions that was thrown his way. But, you know, one thing, one comment that he had and he had to, to talk about was playing aggressive with a lead. And, and and that's important because a lot of people were so used to the previous regime with John Gruden. Everyone used to say, well, they get a lead and all of a sudden they take the foot off the gas. They get conservative, this, that, and the other. Well, the Raiders in the second half hardly even had the ball. So they didn't really have an opportunity to be too aggressive. But then also, in, in my opinion, they didn't, they didn't run the ball either. So it's like, all right, do you run the ball? And do people think that that's being – taking the foot off the gas? Or do you be aggressive and throw the rock, throw the rock, throw the rock and try to put some more points on the board? Like there's a fine line, right? So here's Josh McDaniels talking about playing aggressive with a lead.
4: You know, people, a lot of people will say it was just passing the ball, you know, with a lead. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that's maybe part of it. But I think, you know, if maintain your aggressiveness in terms of opportunities to make plays as opposed to take too many things out of the offense uh, that you feel like give you that opportunity. You know, and I think sometimes you battle that. Uh, you battle it as a play caller. You battle it as a player. You know, it's human nature, you know. You have a lead, you want to try to protect it, uh, and sometimes the feeling would be, well, if we just don't risk anything, then maybe we'll be okay. Um, I don't, I've, I've never felt that that's really the right thing to do because the other, the other side, you know, they're still playing too, you know. And so uh, even though you have a lead offensively, it doesn't mean you have enough points. You know, and so in order to score enough to win, you know, somebody would have to tell me at halftime, here's the magic number. I don't know what that is, you know, and I've seen teams, and we saw a bunch of them yesterday. I mean, I didn't see every game, but I kind of, you know, was made aware of it. There's a bunch of games where, like, teams had 14, 20 points leads, including us, and then the other team comes roaring back, you know. So um, offenses can score points in bunches in this league. We know that, and I just think that when you have a lead, um, you got to be careful about – thinking you have enough, you know, and so uh, the defensive coordinators are usually going to get a little bit more aggressive to try to make some plays, and Um, You know, at the end of the day, it comes down to our overall execution, whether we're running it, throwing it, you know, drop back, play action, tossing the ball, draw, whatever the play is. If we execute it, you know, well enough, we're going to give ourselves an opportunity. And we had plenty of them. You know, we had plenty of opportunities to to win the game in, in both phases, really. You know, the kicking game was a little less as the game wore on. But offensively and defensively, we had plenty of opportunities. We're just going to have to make, you know, one more than they do.
2: Josh McDaniels right there talking about playing aggressive with the lead, learning how to do that, and that's what the Raiders did not do. You know, when they threw the ball, and there was a couple of opportunities that Derek Carr had. He threw the ball, and it was batted down at the line of scrimmage. Looked like they could have been some big plays. Did not happen. So I ask you, Raider Nation, as I know there's a lot of folks on the phone lines, and, you know, we're going to try to get through these calls, so let's try not to have four or five-minute calls. Let's try to get your point out as quick as possible. Not trying to be disrespectful or rush you, but I know we have a lot of folks who want to get their thoughts in on today's show. So 702-365-9200. I will throw it out there. Who is most to blame for the Raiders' collapse, or what? Who or what is most to blame for the Raiders' collapse, and how much do you, how much confidence do you have that this coaching staff can get things turned around quick, fast, and in a hurry? Because there's no time to ease into the the, uh, the season. There's no time to ease into the season. You got the Tennessee Titans. You got the Denver Broncos. You got the uh you you got the Chiefs on Monday Night Football before your bye week. If you look up and you're trying to ease your way into the season, you might be looking up at, and be over, and all of a sudden you're like, "What the hell happened? Where did the season go?" So I want to hear from you, Red Nation seven zero two three six five nine two hundred. Let's start things off with Rich out in Oaktown. Welcome to the show, my man. What's on your mind?
5: Yeah, man, there's a lot is on my mind today, Q. It's a depressing day. I'm gonna make this quick. Um, one of the worst losses I've ever witnessed as a Raider fan. I don't know what we did. I don't know what Al Davis must have done. You know, must have sold his soul for them championships back in the day, man, because we're going through it, and I ain't never seen none like the other fan base. It's just, I don't know how to explain it. So much pain, so much depression, and Raider fans don't deserve none of this. They really deserve better. I think who deserves the blame for yesterday's loss? McDaniels and Derek Carr. You know, we went conservative, but for it's, it's just crazy how – uh, people were saying that Derek Carr uh, targeted Devontae so many times the first game. It's like Derek went into a shell and he was like, no, I'm not going to throw it to him anymore because people are going to say I'm throwing it to him too much. Like this man, if McDaniels called to play, you know, and you see Devontae's better, the better option, then throw it to him, bro, on that last drive. You forcing it to Renfro. Renfro fumbled once and you throw it back to him again? Like, bro, Devontae's open on that play. Waller's open on that play. Like, make something happen, brother. It's already year nine. And, this you know, I feel like a fool right now because I've called out Derek throughout the years. And this year I was like, you know what, maybe I'm being too hard on him, bro. You know, let me me take a chill. Year nine, he's going to get better. Maybe he's on the Drew Brees trajectory, you know, wins the Super Bowl ring later on. But the thing is, Q, that this man is not a killer. When he has, like, you have a quarterback like Mahomes last week, who was dogging the Cardinals, he came out and said, we're going to kill these fools right now. Take them out the game. Carr, he's just like, you know what? I want McDaniels. I want to do what McDaniels wants me to do. I want to do what Gruden wants me to do. I want to do what Dorio wants me to do. You're going to get McDaniels fired again, bro. At some time, the quarterback has to take the blame, and I'm tired of it, bro. You got all these superstars around you, and you still can't win. You gotcha. can't win, bro, And the season's done with.
2: Got you. got you. Thank you, man. Thank you for the call. I don't mean to rush you, but I know I got a lot of people online. Um, McDaniels, I think that a ton of the blame goes to the coaching staff. No doubt about it. Uh, again, I don't know how you get guys fired up coming out of the locker room to have that same intensity that you started the game with. I, I, I really don't. Uh, I believe personally that they should have ran the Rock more. Josh Jacobs was running with purpose. He was running downhill. He was running angry. I would have liked to seen him get the ball about ten more times, and I think he would too. You'll hear from him a little bit later on the show. He sounded like he was, you know – very adamant that he could have kept running the rock and been very uh, successful, you know. So we'll, we'll see. I, I, I know there's a lot of blame to, to go around. There's a lot of different areas. I'll say one thing. I think the defense was way on the field way too much in the second half. Uh, I said on my podcast that I didn't, I didn't put the blame on them, and I know some people got offended by that. Well, why? They couldn't get stops. They were gassed. And I'm really looking at the second half of the game. I mean, they gave the Raiders every opportunity to put that game away, and they just couldn't do it offensively. You know, to only have, what, 86 yards of offense in the second half? That's just not enough. But that's just me. Uh, let's hear from a guy right here locally in the 702. How about Luther in Vegas? What's on your mind, my man? Welcome to the show. Luther. Yeah, hey. What's up, Doc?
3: Can you guys hear me? Can you yeah, guys hear me?
2: Loud and clear.
5: Hey, check this out. Um, I I don't want to be a car bastard. Okay. But like the other car, the car has been on, on the Raiders for nine years and all i hear is excuses for Carr. all the ocs all the different players we were on the 11 yard line our own 11 and he threw three incomplete passes and they weren't even close
2: all right cool thank you for the call i either either it dropped or, or that was it but I don't think any. Well, I know I'm not making excuses. I'm not making excuses for anybody. <laughs> to be honest, I, that's an inexcusable lo- loss. It really is. I mean, that's one that you have to win. When you're up twenty or nothing, you have to win that. And the players in the locker room. As a guy that was there in the locker room, I could tell that that one that one hurt him bad. That one really did. And I saw Derek Carr walk around and. You know, hug guys on the offensive line that were going through it. You know, talking to guys on the offensive line that were going through it. Talking to playmakers that were going through it. Juan the Smasher, he just showed up. What's up, brother? Uh, yeah, I, there was there was a lot going on, right? But end of the day, you just can't you can't drop that game. You can't lose that game. Uh, that's just that's it's again, it's inexcusable. But you know, it is it is what it is at this point. They got to move on to Tennessee and uh, try to get into the win column, but it's not going to be easy. You know. I just I, I don't know what the fine line is when it comes to how you call a game when you have the lead like that how you could be so you know how you can keep it aggressive but then at the same time don't don't be you know an idiot about things and you know to uh, Rich's call in Oakland he mentioned get the ball Devonte Adams one week he has you know 12 targets and a bunch of catches next week he has two catches you know and look he was the first one out of the locker room. I'll tell you that, before we even got into the locker room, Devontae Adams was already gone. He he walked right past us, quick, fast, and hurry. He had his shades on, kept it moving, didn't stop at the lunch line to get food. He just kept it pushing. He was gone. So, clearly, he was, you know, he, he was affected by the loss as well. So, I mean, these guys are putting everything they have into it. They're out there battling, battling out there, uh, you know, practicing, going through training camp, doing everything that they can, getting to the facility early, staying late. And to put in a performance and do really well in the first half, and then just have a, a an epic collapse in the second half, that's got to be gut wrenching. I know for the fan base, I know for myself watching it, I just I was in I was in disbelief. Like, nah, that's not gonna oh, that could nah, that happen? You know, what I mean, it's just it was it was incredible. It really was. So we're listening to you, Raider Nation. Want to hear from you today? Seven zero two three six five nine two hundred. It's like the vent session before uh, everyone moves on to Tennessee. How about uh? How about Ty right here in Vegas? Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, my man?
3: Hey, what's up, fellas? Okay, here go my take, man. First and foremost, the offense put up twenty points. All right, that's a twenty point lead. Defense just gotta protect the lead. Okay. okay. Second uh-huh. half. All right, offense comes out. They go to three and out. Right. Yep. Oh, so they didn't have enough time to figure out what the defense was doing because they didn't have the ball long enough to see what they were doing to make their adjustments. And then, what, the fourth quarter, the Cardinals had the ball almost, what, for 45 minutes straight. Yeah. So, you know, so, therefore, there's not much that Carr can do. You know what I mean? Because they still trying to figure out what the defense is doing. So, after all that, we get the overtime or we get the, uh, you know, the Cardinals come back, okay, the defense had all those stops, Crosby – had uh, Mighty Mouse by 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 the shoulder pass and let, and let him get away. That would have ended the game. So that's a part of the, that's part of the blame on the defense. They, they called
2: now, a holding on that play though. Yeah. Okay. Well, they called a holding, so uh, it was it was
3: holding on on defense, wasn't it?
2: Yeah. That's why. So with Max Crosby, even if he had sacked him, it wouldn't have mattered.
3: Right. Okay.
2: So then let's let's go past that. Okay. So boom, they they give up. They two point.
3: They make the two point conversion. They could have had it. Could have stopped them then. Man, uh, Murray fitted the ball through a. Uh, the smallest, probably a pinhole window between two defenders. Yeah, you should have been stopped here. Okay, okay, boom. Let's get past that. Let's go to overtime. Boom. We got the. Well, no, before that, Renfro fumbled.
2: Right. So they let me let f- me ask f- you this, Ty, because oh, because I, I got a lot of callers. Let me ask you this: yeah. Are you putting the the blame on the defense or the offense or both?
3: I'm putting the blame on the head honcho. That's the coaching. Okay. Okay. He should have had that team prepared for the second half. Okay. And ready to make adjustments on the fly. Okay, that's hey, the good, great.
2: Is. Good call. That's good That's good stuff right there. I didn't know the direction you were going. It sounded like you were putting all the blame on the defense, and my only defense on that. And, look, they have there's, there's blame for them, but they were on the field so long in the second half, the offense gave them nothing. They put up three points, and so that's why I was asking. But, yeah, I mean, again, it falls back on the coaching. I, I put that squarely on the shoulders of the coaching staff for not being able to push the right buttons to put the Raiders in position to put up a little bit more points or have a drive that's sustained a little bit. I mean, when, when it goes to overtime and the Cardinals win the toss, I'm thinking, man, the, the defense, how are they even going to get themselves out there? They've been, they were chasing Kyler Murray around all, all, all game. You know, I mean, they this dude ran 85 yards to get a two-point conversion. 85 yards just to run a two-point conversion. So I, I, I know they were gassed, as they should be. Again, blame to go around, definitely. You know, it's not one just specific person or position that is 100% at fault. But I look at the offense and say, I don't care if you score 20 or 30 in the first half. You needed to do something. You needed to show up to the party in the second half. You can't just put it in cruise control. Not saying they did, but you, you just can't put it in cruise control and say, hey, it's over. You know, let's talk about Tennessee with a 1-1 record at the time. Let's get one more quick call in. How about Raider Z? Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother?
0: Thank you, uh, man. I'm just despondent today. I, you know, this, this was supposed to be the, the upgrade of coaching. You know, Gruden supposedly sucked and all this crap, and, and then, but, but this lies on Carr. You know, Carr threw twenty times to, to Waller last year, first game, and, and 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 same thing with Devontae. Devontae brought his whole family to the game. Can somebody throw the ball to him? He missed him in the fourth quarter just blatantly missed
2: it. Did you just hang up on my guy? <laughs> DeMond said that was an accident. Uh, give us a call back, Raider Z. I'm sorry. DeMond hung up on you. He said it was an accident, but uh, there you go. There's, there's that. <laughs> Bad things happen sometimes, DeMond. I, yeah, I know. I know. It's a busy day. It's a busy day. Uh, we got a text from the 408, and then we'll take a break. Did McDaniel's watch Raider film of the players last year? Isn't Jacobs known for being the closer? Watch the last Charger game last year. Run the damn ball. Uh, that's the text from the 408. And yeah, you know, there's two closers on the field last night. And I remember asking, I was sitting in the uh, in, in the press box, sitting next to Bryce Butler, and I was saying, "Who's going to be the closer?" There was two guys that I thought of in particular: one on offense and one on defense: Josh Jacobs and Jeron Harmon. Jeron Harmon did his job. Jeron Harmon acted like the the closer when he broke up the pass that was intended to Hollywood Brown that looked like it was going to be a surefire catch, and that was how the uh, Cardinals were going to win the game. Jerron Harmon came in and laid the boom and and dislodged the ball. Great pass breakup. So he closed it right then and there. At that moment, when the Raiders have the ball, they need to go down the field and find a way to score. Yes, Hunter Revro fumbled on the first play, got it back. Foster Moreau, shout-out to him. Now, I don't know if you go back to Hunter – or you run the Rock, or you go to Devontae, or you go to Darren, or you go to Mac Hollins. Who I don't know. But then Hunter fumbles on the next play after getting hit, blown up by Isaiah Simmons. Let's go right back out and talk to Raider Z one more time real quick. What's up, my man? I'm sorry, man. But, uh, so was that was DeMond's DeMond's fault. too much. No, that was DeMond's fault. But, okay, anyway, thanks for having me on with
0: Man, I don't know how much you heard, but, you know, this was supposed to be a coaching upgrade, you know. And you hear all the rumblings that, you know, Gruden sucked at this or that. I mean, the whole nucleus of, of this team is Gruden with Crosby and, and, you know, keeping Carr and Jacobs. I mean, just, yeah, we missed on a lot of picks and stuff, but something is wrong with Carr. I mean, he had, Devontae brought his whole family to the game the first time in his career. I mean, could somebody get him the ball? He just missed him blatantly in the fourth quarter. I mean, I've never bash Carr. They're all the losing. I've never bash Carr. I love the man, but but there's something wrong with him. I, I don't know what it. I don't know what it is. He's playing scared. I'm not a coach, but but. It's just, I'm despondent right now. There, there was supposed to be an upgrade in coaching. There's no upgrading coaching, you know, saying they have to learn how to not lose first. They're a playoff team. I know some some of it changed, but, I mean, my God, it's just
1: unbelievable, man.
2: All right. Hey, thank you for the call. Good stuff. And I do believe that you need to learn how to not to lose. And that's one of the elements as well. You want to talk about pointing a finger. How about all the penalties that the Raiders had? They had a, ten penalties for sixty something yards and bad ones. They had some big runs that were called back because of a holding penalty or illegal formation. How many times was there a legal formation penalty called? Those are unforced mistakes. Those are shooting yourselves in the foot. You know, they, I, I think penalties had a lot to do with even the way that the play, the game was called, the play selection. How many times were the Raiders in first and long, second and long, third and long? You know, your playbook shrinks a little bit when you're in those situations. But we'll get we'll get the thoughts of an expert next. How about Bryce Butler, former Raider wide receiver. He was in the press box sitting right next to me during the game yesterday. He has his own thoughts, and he's seeing it from a different lens that is not mine. So we'll get Bryce Butler's thoughts. We'll do it next. We're at the Oyo, the underground lounge, inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Come hang out with us. Monday Night Football Action with Raider Nation Radio 920.
3: That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy dealers. Home of the Chevy Silverado. The strongest, most advanced Silverado
2: ever. Snap to Murray. Backing up. Off his back foot for Brown. At the 15. Caught it. Dropped! Deron Harmon came over the top. And he jarred it loose with a huge hit. Turnover on downs football in overtime with a chance to win
3: live from the underground lounge at the oyo hotel and casino this is unnecessary roughness here's your boy q
2: that was the play that i referenced just a little earlier in the show from deron Harmon. big hit on hollywood brown jarred the ball loose i thought that that was the one i thought that was the play that was going to seal the deal for the raiders they were going to go down score get a field goal whatever the case may be and win the game Ultimately, it did not do that. But someone I had an opportunity to talk to in the press box yesterday was a former Raider wide receiver, Bryce Butler. And Bryce, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for your time, my man. I appreciate you. And I don't know, have you ever been part of a game that saw the lead being 20-plus points only to end up losing that game?
6: Q, what's up, man? Uh, You know what? Probably. um, (laughs) I've been in plenty of leads. I've lost a lot of games in my career. Right. So, uh, you know, we've been in decent leagues and probably gave them up and lost. Uh, been in games where, you know, you lost on like a last-second play. So, I mean, um, being a guy on the field, uh, I would say it's not super far-fetched for that to happen. Uh, but, you know, as as a fan, you don't want to hear that. You don't want to see right. it either. Like, you're up 20 points at halftime, you want to get the W.
2: Right, and ultimately the Raiders didn't get the W. And you had plenty of thoughts on what was going on, why the offense wasn't able to do what they did in the first half. They weren't able to duplicate that in the second half. What was your biggest takeaway from that game? What went wrong in the second half? Uh,
6: to me, it's just um, just like Coach McDaniel said in his press conference after the game. Um, just learn how to handle success. I feel like uh, I feel like things were a little overcomplicated in the second half. We go out there in the first half. You know, we're running the ball on base downs, first and second down. Josh Jacobs gets about twelve carries about for about fifty yards And the second in the second half, man, he just didn't get the same opportunities. We're in empty formations in the like the first and second down. And it was like for what? I mean we're we're up twenty. Uh, you know, the the goal of the second half should just be melt the clock out, melt the clock out, run the ball. If you have to punt the ball, we're punting it from about maybe our own forty five or fifty. You know, we're, we're keeping them down there within their own 20-yard line to start drives, and it didn't look like that, too. I mean, we were, we were on our own five-yard line. It felt like we threw three passes in a row. Two of them got batted down. Now the Cardinals are getting the ball maybe at midfield, and, you know, they're having decent drives, and they're going down there um, putting drives together. Defense is sucking wind now, you know, because they're, they're, they're coming off the field for maybe, like, Three minutes of real time, Mm -hmm. and then they're going back on the field. Um, And that's just a recipe for disaster. And it ended up, um, they had enough time to get another touchdown and a two point conversion to send it overtime, and the rest is history.
2: Talking right now with former Raider wide receiver Bryce Butler here on Raider Nation Radio 920. You know, you mentioned running the ball, and you might have to settle for punts every once in a while, but run the ball, melt the clock. What's that fine line, Bryce, between. Being conservative and also not being, you know, crazy where something bad could happen and then all of a sudden you give up that lead. Like, how do you straddle that line?
6: You know what, man? It's just like just play the game that got us to where we got to. You know what I mean? It's not like we don't want to score any more points. I mean, who doesn't want to win 50 to nothing? You know, (laughs) who doesn't want to win 45 to 16, right? So it's not like, oh, let's just go outside and play keep away. No, let's just keep going with what we had that gave us success and the first half, which is run the ball on base downs, get three to four yards, maybe five, maybe eight. Now we're in front of the chains. We have second and manageable. We're getting first downs on second down as opposed to waiting for third down. And like long, we're way behind the chains, third and 12, third and 15. Even though Josh McDaniels has a lot of offensive uh, plays on that play call sheet, there's not too many plays for third and 12 through 15 or plus more than that. Correct? So all it is, man, is just let's just play the same game that got us to that point. There's nothing to change. The only people that should have really changed something were the Cardinals. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like what we changed offensively fell into their hands. It just fell into their game plan. Because obviously they didn't want Devontae Adams to have a big night, right? And then, you know, the first half, we didn't really throw the ball that much to Devontae. We were just taking what we had. Uh uh Mac was killing it, Mac Hollins was killing it, Hunter was catching the ball, um, the tight ends are involved, you know, from a time to time. But Josh Jacobs was the focal point of that offense. Derek caught those for two hundred and ten yards because we're throwing it and taking what the defense has given us. Second half, we were trying to force something that wasn't there and we were stagnant on offense.
2: You know when Josh Jacobs is in a zone that I felt like he was in. I mean, he was making plays happen with the help of his blockers and without help of his blockers. He was just kind of running with a purpose. That to me is almost one of those where you just kind of feed him, feed them, feed him, and, and and keep giving them the ball until they can actually stop him.
6: One hundred percent. I mean, you you can tell Josh is out there in the in that groove, man. He was he was impact mode. You know what I'm saying? Like back in like NCAA football, when that circle around the player was bumping. He was like that all first half. He was looking good. He was feeling good. You could tell. You know, his feet were under, underneath him. He was making nice moves and nice cuts. And then the second half, he was nowhere to be found.
2: Right, exactly. Again, we're talking with Bryce Butler, former Raider wide receiver here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. My man, damon has got one for you.
7: Bryce, when it comes to... A player, a star receiver like Devontae Adams, only getting those two receptions. You played on a couple of Cowboys teams where, let's say, Dez Bryant was that main target, and you know that he's going to want to eat every game. You mentioned a fine line earlier, but what's that fine line between finding a groove and spreading the ball around, but getting the ball to your number one target on offense?
6: I mean, you know, um, hey. Well, first of all, Dez was a little different as far as temperament concerned. <laughs> yes, Devontae, he was. <laughs> I, know, I know Devontae Adams, uh, you know, is real confident himself. And I, I believe he's the number one receiver. And obviously, he believes he's the number one receiver in the whole NFL. So, yes, you know he wants to get the ball. Um, his passion might not come out like my old teammate, Des Bryant, did. Um, but, you know, all those guys want the ball. They want to feel the ball in their hands. They want to make plays. Uh, but then sometimes, though, you just understand what's going on in a game, right? And uh, I think for Devontae Adams' case, I mean, he's been on record saying he understands that he has other guys around him that can make a play. Like, he knows Hunter Renfro can make a play. He knows Darren Roller can make a play. He knows he has a running back in the back of the field that can make a play. And obviously, Mack is just continu- – hopefully he just continues to make plays when his number is called. So he does understand, like, hey, well, I'm not on a team in which – if the team is rolling coverage on my side, like I have to still get twelve targets in order for us to have a shot at winning. He's not on a team like that right now. Luckily for him, obviously he's gonna have times where he's gonna have a week like he had last week, where he's gonna have ten to twelve catches for two hundred yards or whatever. But then there's gonna be some games, man, that they're like, you know what? You know, we're not gonna let Devontae Adams beat us. Like y'all gotta get the ball to you know, to everybody else. And that's on Coach McDaniels and that's on Derek Carr. To see what the defense is, you know, I play that chess game. You know, if they if they if they give me Devontae man to man one on one, we are gonna take Devontae man to man one on one. It looked like Devontae had a lot of man to man one on one opportunities earlier in the game,
1: mm-hmm.
6: um, but those kind of went away once it just seemed like we were in those, you know, just forcing to throw the ball. you, know, you were trying to get the ball out quick and stuff like that. So, uh, and then there's a lot of pressure uh, sometimes, even though we only really gave up one sack yesterday. Um, yeah, so I mean. It's not about, like, we know Devontae's going to have 100-plus targets this year. Like we, we know that. And But right. some games, it's going to look like how it did yesterday. Hopefully, it's like one game or like two games because, uh, obviously, is too much of an impact player um, to only catch, you know, two or three balls and, you know, one touchdown in the game. But sometimes it just happens like that, man. You just got to roll with the punches.
2: Yeah, you do. And, and, you know, I'm glad that we're talking about Devontae Adams because there was a play late in the game where Carr tried to hit him on a on a, on a a pretty deep, deep shot. Yeah, that deep cross, and and it was behind him, and I said something about it, but you kind of corrected me because you said this is what I saw. Explain to us what you yeah. saw on that play.
6: Okay, so it, obviously Devontae's in the middle of the field. He looks like he's wide open, but he has to run his route, right? I mean, eventually there might be a time where, you know, in this new offensive scheme, Devontae and Derek get on that like crazy page in which, okay, the middle of the field is wide open. I can just turn around and he just throw it to me. You know, that takes time, right? That's comfortability. That's coaches, you know, being trustworthy of the players and, you know, vice versa. Um, but he was running a deep cross, and there's a safety over top, and there's a guy on the numbers that was coming down because he saw Devontae running that deep cross. And he saw that he was open. So he basically left his spot, his zone spot, to come down and try to either smack Devontae or catch a pick if the ball was led too far outside. Derek saw that. So when Devontae turned his head around to the quarterback, Derek was trying to put now the ball wasn't as I don't think the ball was exactly where Derek wanted it. Right. But Derek wanted to give Devontae one of those like balls on his inside shoulder and in which he could just kind of turn around if he was slowing down a little bit. And he could just turn around and you know maybe plant his feet a little bit and catch it. So I knew exactly, like I saw exactly what Derek saw, and it just didn't work out. And I think Devontae looked like he was a little frustrated after because I feel like he felt it too after you know after the incomplete. Like ah yeah, I, I know what he was doing. You know what I mean? Because they know each other. You right. know what I'm saying they've yeah. played with each other. They spent they spent plenty of countless times in offseason together. So they know what they like, but you know, that's how those type of plays will happen as time goes, like as time goes on, they kind of, you know, get reacclimated to each other.
2: Yeah, because see, when I'm looking at it, I'm just seeing that Carr missed Devontae Adams. But there's actually reason for, you know, there's reason for why the ball was where it was, even if it wasn't exactly where Carr wanted it. And that's why you are being able to see it from the lens of what Devontae Adams is supposed to be looking at as well. Uh, it, It makes more sense. So to your naked eye, it doesn't make sense to everybody, but it makes sense to you, who obviously played the position. So let me ask you this, Bryce. What is the message in the locker room as the team starts out 0 2? They're getting used to this new coaching staff. Now they got to travel to Tennessee, who was a really good team last year. Who knows what they do tonight, but they were a really good team last year. What's the message in the locker room?
6: Finish. Finish. We all got to finish. Coaches, players, finish. That's it. You know, last, you know, the first week we started off slow. We got hot in the second half. We didn't finish. This week we started off hot. We didn't end hot. We gotta finish. We gotta put a full game together, offense, defense, special teams. Finish the game. We're not gonna go where we want to go this season if we cannot learn to finish ball games. That's it. Let's keep it simple. Let's not overcomplicate things and let's move forward. Football is not hard. It's pretty simple if you keep it simple.
2: Right. Right. And and how quickly. Does it, is it important for this team to be able to clear it, clear what they, they went through yesterday, and move on to Tennessee?
6: Oh, you, you got to. You. I mean, I'm sure maybe – I don't know what day they have off, the day they come in to watch the tape. So if that's today, you watch it today, you clear it. You yep. go over it today, and then right after that's done, you clear it. If they do that tomorrow, um, you do it tomorrow, and you clear it. You know what I'm saying? And then when Wednesday comes around, it's go time. Right. We don't have no time to you know, keep harping on the game. I mean, we lost the game. We can't go back – Can't finish it. Byron Murphy scored. Byron Byron, uh, Murphy scored. He didn't not score. So we lost the game. Right. Right? Yep. So we just got to keep going. You can't think about the pass. It's like the next play. You got to worry about the next play. Yeah. So it's over with as soon as they watch that tape, and we're going on to Tennessee. We're moving on to Tennessee.
2: That's all, that's all you can do, move on to Tennessee and week three. Well, Bryce, great stuff, man. It was great hanging out with you in the press box, watching the game. I definitely appreciate you joining the show and giving us a few of your minutes uh, and seeing, talking about what you saw in the game last night.
6: Oh, yeah, all day, man. I had a, I had a joy, man. I hope I can keep – I'm, I'm going to be out there for a couple more games, but I want to do that more, man. It was awesome.
2: Okay. All right, right, will do, man. We'll definitely link up. I appreciate you. All right, Keith. Talk to you soon. All right, brother. There he goes. Former Raider wide receiver Bryce Butler also spent some time in Dallas, as DeMond pointed out, spent some time with the Dolphins. And, uh, yeah, but uh, he's he's silver and black through and through. Uh, had his Raider gear on yesterday in the press box as we were watching the game, breaking it on down. So many thanks to Bryce Butler. And uh, maybe that helps clear up a little bit. I know there's a lot of folks a little angry uh, at Derek Carr on some of the passes that he had and some of the – uh, you know, some some folks that lack a killer instinct. I don't know, but I think that sometimes when you get a guy like Bryce Butler who knows what he's looking at and knows why certain things are done certain ways, you know, it kinda gives a little bit more uh, light, shines a little bit more light on it. So of course Raider Nation, we want to hear from you. Two forty four is the time. We'll come back. We're in the underground lounge at the Oyo Hotel and Casino. We need you to come on by. We got Juan the Smasher, we got Vice Raider, and we need you. So come on by, hang out with us, man. The Underground Lounge, Oyo Hotel and Casino with Raider Nation Radio nine twenty.
5: We have to learn how to win, and um, it starts with me. The execution that we had in the first half, uh, we did not execute each play with uh, the detail I think that we should
2: have the way that we did in the first half.
0: Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q.
2: Hanging out at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino, a lot of good drink specialists. Got a lot of folks around the bar right now playing some games, getting a little drink, drank in the system. Nothing wrong with that. Ready for some Monday Night Football doubleheader action tonight. So this is the place to be. Of course, you got the sports book here as well. So there's a lot to do. And if you're me, you'll go find the triple-double-diamond machine and you'll just do what you do. <laughs> I had a lot of success over the weekend at a triple-double-diamond machine. Not really. Not a lot of success. I did have some friends in from uh, Texas. They all came in for the game. They had a great time, by the way, Raider Nation. So everyone who was hanging out, meeting and greeting with them at, uh, at, uh, at, at Allegiant Stadium, uh, we appreciate y'all because they had a, a fantastic time at the game. But one of our friends, her name is Brenda, we actually call her mom because she didn't get carded one place we went. So we just treated her like she was our mom. She uh, she actually won some big money on the slot machine. So she's on her way back to Texas now with uh, a lot of money in her pocket, courtesy of uh, a nice machine that, that she was playing at. So there you go. That's that's his uh – as scary as I am is playing the, the slot machines. That's all I got. But, anyway, we got a lot going on here at the Underground Lounge. We encourage you to come on by, hang out with us. What's up, Doc? <laughs> there you go. Dan, yeah, Dan, Danny got you. Danny, Danny, yeah, hook it up, Danny. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll hook that up. Go ahead and, uh, and make that happen. 702-365-9200. We got a lot going on here. It's awesome. Let's go out to the phone lines. Let's talk to our guy, uh, Kyle of West Virginia. What's on your mind, my man?
7: Thank you for taking my call, Q. Um, I don't know. I'm, I haven't been just depressed about a loss in a while. Uh, charger loss, I could understand. This loss, up by 20. Uh, it comes down to not playing in preseason. That's what I honestly believe. Uh, cars not. He's it's still. It's, he didn't get any reps in preseason. It's different from practice speed to game speed. And even though he practices or in the off season with Devonte and things like that, that that's all good and things. But it's still, it's not the same as real game speed. Right. And overtime, he looked over at Devonte and he gave him a signal. I'm like, oh man, here we go. This is going to be it. And then they still weren't on the same page. So I mean, it, everybody wants to blame D- DC. Everybody wants to blame the defense for being tired, things like that. But it's like, but I mean, it's if you keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline, he's going to get rusty a little bit too. We seen a little bit last week when you we played the Chargers. Derek was off the field for like thirty minutes at one point. Forty,
2: yeah, forty minutes.
7: Yeah, forty minutes. It's going to be hard for him to come back out and just say, okay, well, we're going to you know back out and I'm all warmed up now. You know, right. even he said it in his post game press conference. You know, I got to get up and keep warming up and things like that. But it's different. It's just different. Well, There's a lot of things that went on yesterday that's uncalled for, and I think the biggest blame goes on Josh McDaniels. He's that coach. He's got to do better with time management. Even if he would have ran the ball one or two times, when after the fourth down, uh, Cardinals didn't get that fourth down, Yeah, we ran more time off the clock instead of 24 seconds. So I, I just – I don't know. I, the play calling to me don't make sense. I understand we have some penalties. We got some big runs, had some penalties, brought it back. That, But it first week was the same thing. We didn't run the ball
1: enough. Yesterday,
7: right. I don't think we on the ball off. That's just my opinion. Thank you for taking my time. And also, um, I hope we come back this weekend against the Titans. But at that locker room, I don't know how dejected they are. Hopefully, they can turn it around. They're in the NFL. They get paid big money. Hopefully, they can do that for one another. But if you go to Nashville Q, go to uh, Martin's Barbecue, the best barbecue you will literally ever eat.
2: nice. So, nice. Good call. Hey, thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate you. And, yeah, yeah, you know, the thing about it is, and I'm interested to see, uh, I mentioned we're talking to Ed Graney at 3.30. I, I mentioned to him last night in the locker room, I, I said I wonder how long it will take the players to really clear it. We just talked to Bryce Butler, and he said, hey, you watch the film and you clear it. And that's all good, well and good, right? It sounds great, but sometimes us as human beings, Regardless of what we're dealing with, right? Us as humans, sometimes we don't get over things as quickly as we should. I know I'm guilty of it. There's things that I let linger longer than I should. I try to clear everything immediately. I try not to hold on to anything, but it's just it's hard. So I'm interested to see how fast this locker room can do exactly that, get over this loss, put it behind them, and move on to Tennessee because you have to. I had an old buddy who used to tell me all the time, you cannot let one loss beat you twice. You just can't, and that's the – Probably the, one of the best sayings ever. You just have to be able to move on. Tennessee is going to be a hell of an opponent. One hell of an opponent. And they've got to do everything that they can to come out of there with a W. Let's go back out to the phone lines. Let's talk to our guy, uh, Frank. I think he's calling from Brentwood. Welcome to your, Welcome to the show, my man. Thank
1: you. Appreciate you taking the call, man. Absolutely. Uh, Raider fan for 50-plus years. You know, I've sat in the Coliseum for 20 years watching losses and this one stings, man. Um, it, it comes down like that other callers have said, man, including yourself. Killer instincts. You know, I, I'm going to blame it on, you know, part of it on how we finish the first half. You know, we get the ball. We have over a minute left. We have timeouts. And I tell my wife, look, they're going to sit on the lead. They're comfortable. Instead of going down, you got an appointment that cannot stop you. Instead of going down, grabbing some more points, you know, before the half, they're comfortable with the lead, you know. And then they come out and they're conservative, you know. We just did not make good halftime adjustments. We got out coached. The other coaches made better adjustments than us. Um, I- I'm sick of, sick of seeing it. We, we need to capitalize on our opportunities.
2: Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. And, yeah, I agree with – you know, capitalize on opportunities, man. When you have a team on the ropes, you know, when you can smell the blood in the water, you've got you've to you you, yeah, you have that killer instinct. You just got to – thank you. Appreciate y'all. Yeah, you got to have that killer instinct. You just got to put them away. Step on their neck. Do whatever you got to do, but you've got to put them out. You cannot allow a team to hang around, hang around, hang around, because at some point it will come back to, to cost you, and it did with the Raiders. And, again, only being able to come up with three points in the second half, uh, that's the problem. Right, and even if even if they only come up with three points in the second half, if they at least have a few drives, you know what I mean? I mean, they didn't even have – they had three and outs, three and outs, three and outs. If you have a few drives, then at least your defense is getting a little bit of rest, and maybe some of those stops that we've been talking about, you get. So it's just – it's it's such a fine line, but I agree with some of the callers where they're saying don't think that they, they ran the ball. I think after the first Hunter fumble and they recovered it, thanks to Foster Moreau, the next play should be in a, a – A run play to Josh Jacobs. And I almost guarantee he would have got four or five yards just because he, he, he was running that hard. You give him the ball a couple more times, you're in Daniel Carlson field goal range, you kick the field goal, the game is over. 2.57 is the time. Again, we're at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. When we come back, we'll continue with some of your calls and texts, 702-365-9200. Matter of fact, I haven't hit the text line yet, so we'll do that as well. six nine one eight seven keyword R&R. And then we'll hear from Josh Jacobs, a guy that I do believe should have got the ball a little bit more than he did on Sunday. We'll hear from him post-game in the locker room. It's Raider Nation Radio, 920.